Welcome everyone to Tamriel Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamriel. I am your host, Eric, aka Silior, and man, even after all these years, hearing that music still gives me chills. Um, in case you're curious, it is called Nerevar Rising by Jeremy Soul. And if you think it sounds like the music for the intro for Skyrim, you are not mistaken. Um, basically, the music for Morrowind got remixed for Oblivion and Skyrim. Um, I think if you listen back to my Oblivion retrospective, you can kind of hear it. Like, I think it that I uh, did include a clip that included the music for Oblivion, which is called Reign of the Septims for that. But it's, like I said, it's basically the same music remix. And of course, with Skyrim, it's called Sons of Skyrim. Um, but yeah, today I'm going to be doing a retrospective on Morrowind. Um, I figured with Necrom on the horizon, now is as good a time as any and I'm just hoping I can do it justice. Um, it's an amazing game. Um, yeah, the mechanics do take a bit of getting used to, but once you get past that, it, it's just hard to compete with it. It's amazing. But I will get into that after the mid-break. Um, yeah, before we get to that, we do have a little bit of news, not a whole lot. Um, basically, we're just waiting for Necrom to launch. Um, until then, we do have some Redfall news. Um, we got some hands-on previews for Redfall. Um, I'm not going to really get into this a whole lot, but I got some articles here from the Bethesda.net website. Um get a taste of Redfall with these hands-on previews, so um, I'm just going to leave the links for these in the show notes. Um, got a, an article about some spooky locations in Redfall. So, we got some vampire nests, we got Wheeler's Sporting Goods, which uh, of course, you know, vampires. Um, Avum Clinic, got Overton Theater, Addison Mansion, um, I can't wait to play this game. I believe it's going to be on Game Pass. So I'm really excited for Redfall, not to mention Starfield, which is supposed to be coming in September. Fingers crossed it doesn't get delayed again. Uh, we got some other news here. Unfortunately, E3 has been canceled, uh, which I hate to say it isn't really surprising. It's more disappointing than surprising, but yeah, I mean, pretty much all the other, like pretty much all the major um, contributors to E3 had already pulled out, but Ubisoft was hanging there and in there. They'd been committed, but I mean, Nintendo has always kind of done their own thing these last few years. Um, Xbox and PlayStation had already said they weren't going to be there, but Ubisoft and a bunch of smaller uh, publishers, developers were committed to E3, but again, 
Again, I'm not really surprised by this. I was really hoping we would at least get something digital, but that does not appear to be the case. So, and yeah, maybe, maybe we'll get something different next year. But yeah, it's it's a shame because E3 has always been such a fantastic event. You get all these new game announcements, you get trailers. Uh, if you can actually go there, you can play some demos and actually talk to some of these developers. It was the Comic-Con for video games, and unfortunately, we're not getting it. Anyway, um, on to some more positive news. Uh, we have an article here about a new companion that is coming for ESO. This is the Orc Quest Giver Stuka. I think is how you pronounce that. Uh, I know she was in the uh, Orsinium DLC, and you know she has been in mostly kept herself to Daggerfall, like when Davin's Watch and Volcal Guard, like the first cities you get to with the faction quests, uh, whatever part of the Three Banners War that you choose to be a part of. Um, yeah, that first big city that you get to in those areas. Um, you'll find her there, but it looks like she is going to be a companion that you can pick up um, once Necrom launches. So, cool. I don't really know much about her. I would Honestly, I'd kind of prefer a Veily Sharp, Sharp Arrow or Evely, however you pronounce her name. I just love that old woodwork. Um, but yeah, um, I'm looking forward to meeting uh, Stuga. And speaking of Necrom, the Scribes of Fate DLC, the, the first DLC for this story arc, is now available on console. I don't have it yet because I don't have ESO Plus and I haven't purchased it. Um... But yeah, I know some people who've been playing it. I know Lotus of Doom has been playing it. I believe he streamed it. Um, so go check out Lotus of Doom on Twitch and get some footage of this. Go check it out. He said he had a really great time uh, dungeon delving in there. Um, the last article that I've got here is that Mighty Doom is now available on your mobile device. And I have been playing it, and it is quite fun. Um, basically you just go through room after room killing all the enemies uh, and then you'll have a boss room and you repeat until you beat the campaign and I believe there's multiple campaigns but then you know you get power-ups and better gear for your slayer and it'll help you in future runs and yeah it's it's quite fun it's free so check it out um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, been playing it quite a bit. And as far as what else I've been playing, if you've been paying attention to my TikTok, uh, TikTok at Sillior, uh, you'll know that I have been playing a little bit of ESO. I actually hopped in and did some more of the Firesong DLC. I didn't finish it, but I did beat one of the first big bosses of it. Um, I can't remember what the guy's name is. It starts with an N, I believe. But uh, yeah, I guess that just kind of shows you how much of an impression he made on me. But 
yeah, it, it's been pretty fun. And I did, like I uh, alluded to earlier, I did post a clip of me going through a, um, a cave or a dungeon in the Fire Song DLC, just taking out some sea elves. And it's really cool. Like, I have been getting some pretty good interaction on TikTok with some people who've checked out my videos. And I had somebody make a you know some sort of comment um on this particular video they said something like whoa i had no idea this game was so cool i'm like fucking check it out man it's yeah it's mechanics are a little bit different compared to a standard like mainline elder scrolls game but once you get used to that it's so cool just going around seeing areas of Tamriel that you don't see in the mainline games, not to mention you see races that have since gone extinct or all but, like the Kothringi, the Marmor, the Sea Elves, um, no Dwemer unfortunately, but yeah, you, you get to see a lot of stuff that you just don't get to see in the mainline games. Um... But yeah, it, it's been fun. Like I said, I don't think I've quite finished the story for Firesong, but I hope to do that before Necrom launches. Uh, let's see what else I've been playing. Um, well, I haven't really played much of uh, Mass Effect Andromeda since the last episode, but I've gotten some interaction on the video that I posted of that on my TikTok of... You know, driving around the snowy mountains of Vold, I think is how you pronounce the name of that uh, ice planet. And, um, it, yeah, I've gotten, like I said, i got some decent interaction on that, too. I had somebody straight up ask me if Mass Effect Andromeda is a good game. Um, I know a lot of people aren't too high on it because it's not the trilogy. You're, you're not running around with the same people you do in the trilogy. And, yeah, that is a little bit of a shame but the gameplay mechanics and the environments and the story are all really good it's it's all there um so me and some other people myself and some other people were talking to this guy and we convinced him to get the game so hopefully he's enjoying it i know he had some issues getting it because it, he's a playstation player and you know ea's owned by microsoft now but he was able to get it so if you're listening to this let me know how you like it i'm hoping you're having a lot of fun with it but uh, of course you know there's still fallout i'm going to be recording an episode of tapes from the wastes here tomorrow as i'm recording this it's april fool's day april 1st um, no joke though but uh yeah I'm going to talk about my 76 gameplay in Tapes from the Waste. So be on the lookout for that episode. It should be out sometime in the next week or so. But I, of course, have been spending time on TikTok, as you probably picked up on. And I came across this musician by the name of Peyton Parrish, who uh, does a lot of Viking-themed songs, and then he does, like hard rock slash metal versions of Disney songs and there's a song he did uh, by a guy who goes by Miracle of Sound 
Uh, he did a cover of this song. It's called Valhalla Calling. And it's so good. Um, just, uh, it's great. But that got me in the mood to play some Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Now, I picked this up not too long after it launched. Uh, if you go back in the archives, you'll pr- I've probably talked about this. But I put, I don't know how many hours into this game, got pretty far. And then I looked at the map and saw, based on my combat rating, I wasn't even halfway through the game. There are some areas where it's recommended that I had twice the combat power that I had. And I'm like, okay, I need a break. So I've took a break from that. I've been on a break from that game for probably about two years. But listening to Peyton Parrish um, and his Viking songs got me itching to play it again. So yeah, I've been putting a lot of time into Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I swear to God, um, I don't believe in reincarnation, but if it were real, I probably was a Viking in another life. <laughs> just, just saying. I think that's why I've always kind of been attracted to these like medieval high fantasy type games like Zelda, Elder Scrolls. Like I've I've always been more of a Zelda fan than Mario. Um, I just I love the high fantasy shit. I, what can I say? Um, but yeah, I have put quite a few more hours into Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I leveled up a little bit. Um, I stumbled across a DLC that I don't believe was there the last time I played that takes you to this island and you end up working with Cassandra from Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is really cool. I don't know how the hell she's still alive at that point in the game. She even mentions how she's very old, older than she looks. She said, yeah, I've just got a young face. It's got to be true because... (laughs) like I said I don't know how she's still alive uh, by the time you get to the events of Assassin's Creed Valhalla but yeah um, I don't think I've really been playing anything else other than that Um, just ESO 76 and um, no no I take that back I did play a little bit of Skyrim so I think I mentioned in the last episode that I did some random quests, and I got up to the point where you are about to do the battle for Whiterun um, in the Stormcloak storyline. Yes, I know. I'm a Stormcloak. Sue me. Uh, send your hate tweets to at iangold08. Um, but I was worried that the battle for Whiterun bug was going to still happen. Uh, because my last character, even on Xbox, it still happened all these years later. Um, it did kind of correct itself, though, which was cool. But, um, yeah, this time, no issues. So, yeah, I went in, uh, ransacked the city, got out of there, and the bug did not happen. So, for those of you who aren't familiar, 
When you do the Battle for Whiterun as a Stormcloak, this even happened when I played on my Nintendo Switch. Um, you do the Battle for White one, and it the it doesn't end. The city acts like it's still being ransacked, like the fire is is going on. Um, yeah, the quest for all intents and purposes ends. Like Vignar is Jarl, but the city still acts like it's under attack. Um, everybody is, like, you hear the battle music going on, people are running around, uh, asking you to, you know, leave or stop or whatever, you know, quit attacking the city. I'm just like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm just trying to sell some, you know, junk. Um, and the, the biggest issue is that the map marker is gone. Um, but like I said, that didn't happen this time, so... I was very pleasantly surprised by that. Because like I said, even on Xbox, the last time I did this quest, it did correct itself, but not until my next time that I picked up the game. So, yeah, hopefully that has been patched. But, yeah, it's it's only if you do this quest as a Stormcloak. I don't think it does that if you're a member of the Legion. But I don't like the Empire, so... That's just me. Anyway, that really is it as far as my gameplay. So let's get into today's topic, and that is the game Morrowind. Wake up. We're here. Why are you shaking? Are you okay? Wake up. Stand up. There you go. You were dreaming. What's your name? Well, not even last night's storm could wake you. I heard them say we've reached Morrowind. I'm sure they'll let us go. And, uh, welcome back. If you are not familiar with who that is... That is Jib, who is amazingly also in Skyrim. Um, you probably remember encountering him in the Soul Cairn, but you first encounter him here in Morrowind. He is on the boat that you are transported to. Um, <laughs> pretty much like every other Elder Scrolls game, you start as a prisoner. Um, most often, you start in a jail, like a jail cell, but this time you, I mean, you are a prisoner, you are, you know, captive, but you are on a boat, you know, heading toward the island of Vardenfell. So it's one of the few times you don't start out in a dungeon or in a jail, but uh, you're still <laughs> a criminal nonetheless. So, Morrowind. Yeah, what can I say about Morrowind? What haven't I said? Um, I've alluded to the story. I've talked about the story for Morrowind a few different times in the history of this podcast, but I will kind of get into it a little bit more here. But the game itself was released on PC May 1st of 2002, and for Xbox because it was not on PlayStation. Um, 
unfortunately. It was released on June 6th of 2002, so a little over a month later. And then it got re-released as a Game of the Year edition on October 31st of 2003. And it got re-released again for the Xbox One on April 17th of 2018. So, yeah, it... uh, not for a long time, but and it just—it's it, just about to have a birthday again on uh, PC a month from today. So yeah, twenty-one years, crazy. But I'm gonna kind of go through, you know, kind of give a brief description of the story of this game first, and then I'll kind of get into the nitty-gritty. So. As I mentioned, you're on the violent, on the violent, um, on the island of Vardenfell, which is not you know, like it's off the coast of the mainland province of Marwind. So, the scope of this game, compared to especially like Daggerfall, is quite a bit smaller than. Um, yeah, you you don't you're not exploring nearly as big of an area. Like with Arena, you're exploring the entire continent of Tamriel. Daggerfall, though, <laughs> it's got the biggest exploratory area out of any of the games. Like if you fit just how big Daggerfall is into ESO, I don't even know how much area it would cover. But here, you're exploring an island. Um, in the Tribunal expansion, you get to go to the mainland area in Morrowind, and uh, Mornhold specifically. And in Blood Moon, you get to go to Solstheim, which you probably remember if you've played um, Skyrim, which I love how that borrowed music from Morrowind, the game. But anyway, let's let's get into the story here. So, as I mentioned earlier, you're a prisoner being sent by Emperor Uriel Septim to Morrowind to investigate a prophecy of the reincarnation of Endoral Nerevar. Now, if you remember my episodes on the Tribunal, you should know who Nerevar is and why he was essentially murdered by the tribunal during the battle for red mountain which consequently or coincidentally i should say is also when the dwimmer disappeared but yeah they're the uh, dunmer are very religious people and they have a prophecy for the return of indoral nerevar in the form of the nerevarine so essentially you are sent to investigate this prophecy and there are a bunch of different signs of this prophecy so you are there to investigate them and surprise you end up being that reincarnation but there's a lot more that goes into that like there, you have to deal with the great houses of Morrowind. You have to deal with Dagother, who 
somehow is still around um, after all this time. And you have to, like, like I said, there's a bunch of different signs that the Nerevarine is who he says he is. Because there have been false Nerevarines. I can think of one in ESO during the Morrowind expansion. But, um, yeah, the Tribunal plays a big part in this because at this point they're still around. And one, one of the signs, like I said, you have to deal with the Great Houses. And one of them, one of the signs is that the Nerevarine is able to unite the Great Houses. Now, I'm not really going to talk about the Great Houses too much because I'm going to be doing them all as their own different episodes. But, it, you know, there's also the involvement of the Sixth House, which worships Dagother, essentially. Um, kind of like the Mythic Dawn in Oblivion worships Mirren's Dagon. But yeah, essentially you go around investigating all these different parts of the prophecy and you come to find out that you are actually Indoral Nerevar himself reincarnated. Who would have thought? But... <laughs> um, the Denmark, like I said, they're they're very religious, and they don't really take too kindly to outsiders, which is kind of weird. Like, even if you play as a Dunmer, they know that you're not from around there, and you have to earn their trust. It's it's kind of interesting to see because when you first get there, you're walking around and. Nobody really wants to speak to you. I can't tell you how many times I hear, Quickly outrender, I haven't got much time. Or something to that extent. Because, you know, being there with Red Mountain, it looming above them, they're inhaling a lot of ash, so their voice gets very gravelly. And it just sounds like they've been smoking for about a hundred years. Hopefully you understood that. But you go around, um, one thing, like, you're, you're kind of, uh, you're essentially acting as a spy for the Blades. Like, you report to one of the members of the Blades when you first get there. Like, you arrive at Cedanine, and you're greeted by Wes Johnson, um, a.k.a. the uh, census taker there for Cedanine. And, I mean, there's a little side quest you can do with this little wood elf, um, blanking on his name but uh he wants you to find a ring and then you end up finding his stash like if you wait until the middle of the night you can actually find his hidden stash of stuff and you can keep it um but you make your way to balmora and you talk to the blade representative who for some reason is always shirtless i don't know why um, older, bald, balding, uh, uh, imperial. And he wants you to just kind of pose as an adventurer. No big deal. That's what I would do anyway. Uh, he sends you to some different blade members who can do some training for you. Um, which is one thing I love about Marwind is as long as you've got the gold and as long as you this person is of 
appropriate level, you can keep training until you run out of money. Like, there's no five times per level cap that the subsequent games have. So, you can just keep training, leveling up, and go about your business. And just hopefully, you know, as long as you're training in stuff that you'll use, your actions have a better chance of succeeding. Um, I'll get into the mechanics here in a little bit, but... Yeah, you just, you keep going around. Like, he wants you to go do some guild stuff uh, just to keep your adventurer, you know, mercenary cover story, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, convincing, yes. Um, which, again, I would do that stuff anyway. But then he sends you to go and investigate the different parts of the prophecy and you are able to achieve a lot of this stuff. I mean, pretty much every, you know, I mean, all of it, obviously. And then eventually it becomes clear that, again, you are Nerevar himself. And the people of Morrowind, the tribunal and the ordinators don't take too kindly to this. Because for the most part, they all worship the tribunal. And the tribunal did away with Indoral Nerevar for a reason. Like, he threatens their existence. These are, you know, people who stole the power of a god and took, took it for themselves and proclaimed themselves to be gods. And you like like i said you threaten their existence so they attack you on sight the um the ordinators and the followers of the tribunal and eventually you also start finding sleeper agents of dagother just some random people walking around um start giving you mem you know messages from dagother himself and I'll start threatening you and attacking you as well the farther you get along in the storyline. But eventually, it all leads back to Red Mountain and Dagother himself. And he, would, he kept his heart outside of his body and somehow that was able to sustain him and keep him alive. So you have to find the tools of the Nerevar to um, be able to kill this heart and kill Dagother himself. Um, it's the this hammer that goes by the name of Sunder and also Keening, which is a short blade. But then you also get Wraithguard which is a legendary Dwemer gauntlet that allows you to wield these. And again, you, you make your way to the Red Mountain, where it all happened thousands of years ago. And you take on Dagothurn himself. And he, like I said, the whole time he's kind of taunting you. And just basically, he offers you... A chance to join him to take on the tribunal themselves and basically you tell him to go fuck himself but 
um, yeah, with these tools in hand, you take them on in the center of the mountain and take them out. Um, <laughs> kind of funny, the, the first time that I did this, I somehow was able to, like, you're, you're on this bridge that is um, going over this big lava pit. And, you know, there, there's places that you can fight on either side of this, but I was fighting him on this bridge, and I got him to back up to the point where he fell into the lava himself and basically committed suicide. <laughs> it was really funny. Um, I haven't since been able to repeat that, but I would love to be able to do that again. But um, another, one of the other cool things about this story is one of the signs of the Nerevar is catching the corpus disease and overcoming it. Now, you do this with the help of the last living dwarf who is named Yagram Bagarin, I think is how you pronounce that, <laughs> which is, he's got, he, he crafted himself some spider legs, but I believe, if I remember right, he has the corpus disease himself. But that was really cool to be able to interact with an actual living dwarf who somehow was able to avoid being decimated by whatever, well, you, you know, got rid of the dwarves. There's, of course, I, you know, I've gone through this, but there's several theories about that, and only Todd himself knows. But, um, yeah, that, that was really cool to see, and if you look, at, there's an article in the UESP wiki. Um, yeah, it does say here that he's got the corpus disease, and it's made him very bloated, um, and he's got his little spider legs there. Um... Yeah, he was a master crafter in his time. But yeah, that that's kind of the, the story in a nutshell. Um, again, such a fantastic story. Um, I'm going to get into some more of the mechanics of the game here. Um, there's also an underlying story of... And if you listen to any of my earlier episodes where I had the Khajiit Merchant... He alluded to the fact that he is the descendant of slaves. Slaves are a part of Morrowind, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I know people say that the... Uh, I mean, there is some racism with the Dark Elves, unfortunately. They held Khajiit, like beast races, the Khajiit and the Argonians, as slaves. And there's a little side story where you can go around freeing slaves from these different plantations across Morrowind. And I did that wholeheartedly. And I will get into what kind of rewards that can lead to later on in the game. But, um, yeah, let, let's... Uh, there are the guild storylines. I talked about those in, you know, the most recent episodes so i'm not really going to get into that here but let's talk about the mechanics now i did do an episode a long time ago i can't even remember how long ago it was uh, it was a listener questions based episode and one of the questions was what changes were there from morrowind going into oblivion and 
Yeah, basically, the skill level that you have determines the success rate of something. Now, this could be swinging a weapon or using a we wielding a weapon. This could be trying to cast a spell. This could be trying to craft a spell, which was really cool. I've crafted quite a few spells in my time playing Morrowind. This could be enchanting something, um, whatever. But yeah, that that's a big change going from Morrowind to Oblivion, where your skill level basically determines whatever extra effects something has so but i didn't really know this the first time i played morrowind i have talked about this many times on the show but i played oblivion first and i kind of wish that wasn't the case i wish i had played morrowind first because i was so used to the way the mechanics were in oblivion that the first time I played, it was such a shock that I'm like, yeah, I can't do this. But I, you know, since, you know, after that, I heard just how great Morrowind was and that I really should give it another chance. So I did. And I hung in there and I fell in love with this game so much that I still play it to this day. Um, I believe I've streamed it in the past. Um, I doubt that that video is still up on my Twitch page. But, you know, if you hang in there with this game, you'll find that there's just so much more variety with Morrowind than in the subsequent games. It's kind of sad. Um, yeah, weapons, armor, spells, there's just so much more with Morrowind than there is in the later games. Like, there's even, like, how do I say this? Say you're wanting to buy some armor. In Oblivion and Skyrim, you got your helmet, you've got your Curus, and you've got your boots. You may have Greaves, too. I think you've got Greaves also. But in Morrowind, there, well, I mean, there's Gauntlets, too, but... In Morrowind, you got your helmet, you got your right pauldron, you got your left pauldron, you got your right glove or gauntlet, you got your left gauntlet or glove because you know white weapons are, or white armor uh, hands—they're called gloves, not gauntlets. Then you got your greaves, and you got your right boot, you got your left boot. Um, you can just mix and match. You can—it's <laughs> kind of funny just seeing all the different combinations that you've got. Now with weapons again there's so much more variety when it comes to weapons like yeah you've got sword shield you know you've got you know you've got uh staves you've got uh your bow arrows but you've also got things like throwing stars tontos halberds you know Axes. I mean, you've got axes in other games too, war hammers, what have you. But again, there's just there's so much more variety. And what other Elder Scrolls game can you think of that you've got throwing stars and throwing daggers? Like, I remember you know leveling up my marksman point or my marksman skill to the point where the cliff racers that would 
constantly plague you when you're running around the landscape of Morrowind. Like, I, I swear, there, I can't tell you how many times where I'd get three or four of those motherfuckers that would just be bombarding me. I'd get to the point where I'd kill them with either a bow and arrow or a throwing star long before it would even reach me. So they weren't even an issue at that point. You know, kill them before they reach you. But, um, yeah, like, the, the skill level, I can't... <laughs> Very early on in the game, I'm like, why am I swinging my sword at this worm on the ground that's at point-blank range, and I'm not even hitting it? It's because I had a low level with my, my blade. Now, with this game... They actually separate blade into two categories. There's long blade and short blade. I always go long blade, but if you're wanting to use daggers more, use your short blade. Um, and, the, you know, there, there's spells. Like I said, the, the spells, there's so much more variety. Um, you're having trouble getting up a mountain? Use levitate. Um, falling from a mountaintop? Use Snowfall to... So hopefully you won't die on impact. Um, you also have spells that help you fast travel. Fast traveling is very, very limited in Morrowind. Uh, I mean, it gets a little bit better once you get a little bit farther along in the game. and you, you learn a little bit more. You explore a little bit more. I think that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get you to explore the you know, island as much as you can. Which is actually really cool. Like, I think the landscape in Morrowind is so much more interesting compared to Skyrim and Oblivion. I mean, yeah, Skyrim's kind of cool, but um, giant mushrooms that people even make houses out of? Like, how cool is that? You know, yeah, and then there's, there's also, like, the volcanic areas. There's, you know course mountains there's there are some plains but um yeah fast travel when you first start the game is very limited um you either find a boat and or find a stilt strider which is basically a giant locust that you ride on but um once you play the game a little bit you can buy a couple of spells uh there's intervention spells that uh there's two different ones one is called Divine Intervention, which will take you to the nearest the nearest Imperial Cult Shrine, which um, basically they're the ones who you know worship the divines as opposed to the tribunal. And then there is another one called Almsivi Intervention. Now, if you remember my um, episodes on the tribunal, you should recognize the word and Almsivi. That is the name for the collection of the tribunal. Um, that obviously will take you to the the nearest uh, tribunal temple. So, you know, that will take you to the nearest city, essentially, um, both of those. Um, there's also spells called Mark and Recall. So the Mark spell will literally mark your spot on the map. So say you need to go, like this is where you would complete a quest, but you don't have something that you need. You can travel to where you, you need to go to get that um, spell after you've marked your spot. And then use recall to teleport yourself back to that area. 
So yeah, there are there are some ways of fast travel that kind of open up. There's also the uh, teleportation portals in the Mages Guild, where it will take you to whatever guild hall you need to go to. Um, it's also great as you can just buy spells from people in the Mages Guild. Um, it kind of depends on what your rank is. Some of the members won't deal with you until you get to be a little bit of a higher rank, so do some quests in the uh, different guilds. Rank up and then there you go. Uh, excuse me. So I've mentioned the fact that you can enchant weapons. You can also pay people to do that, of course. Um, also create spells. Of course, that costs more money. But yeah, like I said, there's just there's so much more variety when it comes to spells, weapons, armor. Um, not to mention, you do have spells that you can use to, like, say, you catch a disease from a zombie or something like that. This will, you know, there are spells that you can use to cure it. So um, there's also, like in um, Oblivion Backward, there's the sign and, um, you know, that will give you a spell, like born, being born under a certain sign. Um, there's also greater powers, like, based on your race. Um, each race has their own strengths and weaknesses. So, yeah, um, like I said, I've, I've mentioned the mechanics. I've mentioned weapons and armor. I kind of touched on the whole slavery thing. Um, let's get into player houses. Now, I must admit, I didn't even really realize that player houses were a thing in Morrowind until a friend of mine was kind enough to let me know. So... There are a few great. Uh, there are a few player houses that you can actually build in this game, which I guess this would be the first instance in the series where you can actually build a house. Now, not all of them are ones that you would build. Um, <laughs> you could, if you wanted to, go kill an NPC and take the key off their body and um, just store your shit in their house, I guess. Um, now, I know in Oblivion, this would be considered trespassing. So if you're seen entering a house, you might get arrested. I don't know if that's the case here. Uh, the article that I'm reading from thegamer.com doesn't say. Now, it's not the perfect replacement for a player home, but you, you know, need a house, there you go. There, that's one way to get a house. There is also Indaris Manor, which is the first of three strongholds that you can earn in Morrowind. Now, this home is massive and has tons of storage space, which is its most notable feature. Inside the stronghold is your manor, which you can use as a home, along with three buildings with convenient NPCs. Um, these NPCs include merchants and trainers, so you won't have to go into town and sell your valuables. You can sell them to these merchants. Uh, it's a little challenging to get this house, though, uh, but it is easy to overcome. The first thing you need to do is become Kingsman of House Redoran, and then speak to three characters to complete a task for each of them. 
So you'll find Galsa Gindu in Aldrin Manor District, and you can speak to her inside her home. Galsa will request 5,000 gold for the construction of Indaris Manor, and then direct you to the Ebonheart Grand Council Chamber, where you'll meet Duke Vendum Dren. After completing the contract for Vendum Dren, you will talk to Galsa again. So once you return to Galsa again uh, for in-game days, after four in-game days, she'll request that you speak to the Stronghold's foreman at the location of the map above. Travel east between Margon and Aldrin, and you'll find the foreman along the main road. The construction will be going fine, and you will once again talk to Galsa. So wait another four in-game days and return to Galsa, and she'll explain that you need to meet with Perseus Mercius at the Fighters Guild in Maldron. That's a hell of a name. Perseus Mercius. He'll ask you to, to rescue his friend from the Hualu Jail in Vivek. Go there and free Freilane by traveling through the House Hualu Treasury into the prison. You can escort her outside the same way you came in, and then you, your task will be over. Now speak to Perseus Mercius. I'm never going to get tired of saying that. Perseus Mercius. And he'll send guards to Endaris Manor. After five in-game days, speak to Athene Serethi, and he'll tell you that he needs to promote you, but you'll first need to complete a task, of course. Speak to Galsa again, who will direct you to... At this point, I'm going to mark the spot where Galsa is, because um, I'm going to be constantly using recall to get to Galsa. Um, anyway, speak to Galsa again, who will direct you to Hetman Gulls at the construction side of your manor, which is the same place you visited it before. Hetman will attract you to, okay, to two single women in Andars Manor, and you can complete this objective in various ways. So you can either buy two slaves from Seville in, or Iman, or Imain, I don't know, inside Talaran for a thousand gold each. I probably would not do that. You could speak to Galen Arvel in Aldvalathi and ask him to send you to escaped slaves. Why does it have to be slaves? You'll need to have freed 21 slaves for this option. Ask Havine Dessel about her retired dancers at her house in Suran. I think I remember those dancers. And you will need to have 70 disposition for this option. Or you can speak to Irene Arethi inside her home in Aldrin and Fathusa? Fathusa Gorethi, that's a hell of a name. The Ald Scar Inn, at the Ald Scar Inn, and will, they will agree to travel to Andaris Manor if you have 90 disposition. Now that two women are in your house, you can talk to Hetman Ghouls and then Galsa for the final time. Waiting a few days will result in your journal entry telling you that Indaris Manor is ready and livable. And you can now enjoy the home. Next up is Rethin Manor, which uh, upon reeking the rank of Kinsman and House Halalu, you can begin the construction of Halalu's stronghold, which includes Rethin Manor. It is smaller than the other two strongholds, and you can build in Morrowind. It's still noteworthy as a player home and includes many amenities, amenities, including a storage, merchant, and trainers. So once you become the kinsman of House Lalu, speak to Dondras Dryler at the Halalu Manor in Balmora. Now travel to the Grand Council Chamber in Eberhardt. There's a lot of traveling. 
uh, where Duke Vendum Dren will be waiting to give you a construction contract. After that, you travel to Walu Treasury in Vivek City and talk to Baron Ellen to obtain the land deed. Return to Dondos and he'll ask you to check the Hualu Stronghold construction. And you'll find the Stronghold west of Vivek on the map above. Uh, there is a map in this article that shows you where it is. Because Vivek City is pretty damn big. Um, and then speak to Durbel, who is the foreman. After a few days, you'll need to speak to Dondas again, who will tell you to restore the Shrin Replay Egg Mine near Hualu Stronghold, which is directly next to Hualu Stronghold. Okay. And you'll find a Kwama Queen inside the mine that you'll need to cure using the Cure Blight spell. Blight is a pretty serious condition that you can get in Marwind. The, you can also use a Cure Blight scroll which you can buy from a merchant. Dondas will require you to recruit a miner, which you can do by speaking to Isaur, uh, I, double I, uh, double I, A, S, O, U, I, Sour, I, S, Sour, okay. That's a hell of a name too. Uh, which is directly north, north of the Nisus temple. He's inside a cave net that acts as his home. Speak to Dondas after an in-game week, and you'll receive a new objective. Once you gain the rank of House Father of House Lalu, you can talk to Dondas once again, and this time you need to hire a guard who is there to stop bandits from getting in the way of Lalu's stronghold construction. You can then hire a guard from the Balmora Fighters Guild for a thousand gold, and now travel to the stronghold and talk to your new guard, whose name is Joy. Uh, Fjordir, I think is how you pronounce that. Your next objective will be to travel to Zane Spilu, which is the cave south of Hualu's stronghold. Travel inside and defeat Maros Gimmon. After the bandit leader is dead, tell Dondas of your progress after three in-game days. Hualu's stronghold is now finished, and you can use Rethane Manor as a player home. And finally, we have the house that you can get on uh, the island of Solstheim in the city of Ravenrock. So this is called Factor's Estate. So like I said, it's in the city of Ravenrock. So this is on Solstheim in the Blood, Blood Moon DLC. I'll be talking about that DLC here in a minute. But let's talk about the house first. So... It's not nearly as complicated to get this as the other ones, but first you need to complete the Under Siege or Drastic Measures quests, which essentially means you need to finish Ravenrock's quest line. So yeah, in the uh, Dragonborn DLC with Skyrim, it's kind of the same deal. Um, you finish the uh, DLC and then you can get the player home there. So, yeah, you finish the quest lines, become the factor, you can talk to Falco in Ravenrock, which is the town um, above. Again, there's a map uh, here in this article. I'm going to link this article in the show notes. But, um, unfortunately, Falco's dead. You speak to the Constance. Next, talk to Aldum in nearby, uh, to the east in the town of Ravenrock. He'll explain that there's a house they can build for you, but first you need to pick a location. So there's three locations available near Raven Rock, and each house has a torch signaling the construction site. First location is the far west corner of Raven Rock. The second is northwest um, of Raven Rock's main entrance, 
And then you can find the final torch in the southeastern section of Raven Rock behind multiple other buildings. Return to Aldum after finishing each or visiting each site, then you make your selection and lead him to the location that you choose. After speaking to Aldum again, they'll get to work and you return in three days and the house is ready to go. So that is it with player houses. Um, as I said, I haven't really done this. Uh, it seems kind of complicated for most of them. I prefer just sleeping in the guild halls. That's how I never even knew that this was a thing until, as I said, a friend of mine brought it to my attention. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about the DLCs here. So, there are two. There's Tribunal, and then there's Blood Moon. With Tribunal, I basically talked about all of this in the episodes I did on the members of the Tribunal. So, I won't really get into it too much, but basically it's the story of how the members of Tribunal met their end. Um, starts out with you getting attacked by a member of the Dark Brotherhood when you sleep, when you sleep. happens really early on in the game. So you investigate why the Dark Brotherhood had hit on you and it takes you to Mournhold. So you go around uh, exploring Mournhold doing the quests and eventually, as I, I said, you you experience the end of the tribunal. Almalexia goes nuts and kills Sultasil. Um, who knows what the hell happened to Vivek? He just disappears, never to be seen again. And then you kill Almalexia herself. So yeah, that's the story of Tribunal in a nutshell. As I said, I've I've discussed this at length in the episode that I did the different episodes that I did on the members of the tribunal. So let's talk about Blood Moon. Well, first off, I should mention that I have played a bit of tribunal. I never finished it because there's one NPC in the city of Mournhold that for some reason got really pissed off at me and would attack me. And apparently his luck level is through the roof. So he would always kill me. So that kind of, soured me on it i do need to go back and play it again at some point just for the lore of it uh, watching the tribunal fold in on themselves um but let's let's talk about blood moon so blood moon as i mentioned is set on the island of solstein which is northwest of ardenfell so the east empire company struggles to establish a new colony on the frozen shores and mysterious occurrences and the arrival of werewolves begin to transform the land the native Skull Tribe herald the changes of, as omens of the Blood Moon prophecy and start the dread hunt of Hircine. As the Nerevarine is unwittingly drawn into the hunt, there is only one chance—or sorry, one choice—that you have to make to become a predator or the prey. So, you can become a werewolf in this game. Um, I've mentioned in the episode I did on vampirism that you can become a vampire too. There's a few members, a few vampire clans in Morrowind, and I have encountered vampires in the game, but I never got the disease for whatever reason, so I never became a vampire 
in Morrowind. I really wanted to play Blood Moon, but it you're it really with the way Morrowind is, you need to be a certain level before you should take things on, because um, things aren't really uh, they don't level to your character. Now, certain enemies will show up once you reach certain levels, like Golden Saints and uh, Winged Twilights, things like that. But, yeah, I want to say with Blood Moon, it's recommended that you're at least level 45 before you take it on. Which is why I never did. Um, but I was really looking forward to it with the whole concept of werewolves um werewolves didn't come back after this until skyrim but um yeah i really wanted to play this and unfortunately i never have but it kind of sounds like hercene's quest in skyrim from what i'm reading here um there's the great hunt that happens once an era and this is the one that takes place during the third era. You can either join the werewolves or you can um, fight them. But there is a quest that I've mentioned before where you encounter somebody who believes themselves to be a descendant of the snow elves, the Falmer. And you prove it, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, that, that's Blood Moon in a nutshell. Uh, of course, with becoming a werewolf, if you so choose, you there are positives and negatives to it. Um, yeah, you have to find a werewolf. Uh, you fight one, and it's kind of like with vampirism, where fighting um, said creature, you have a chance of becoming it, either werewolf or vampire. So, with becoming a werewolf, you get the disease Sani's Lupinus, I think is how you pronounce it, L-U-P-I-N-U-S. I could pronounce that another way, but I'm trying to keep this clean. I'm sure you can figure out what word it, I, it could sound like, but I'm not going to say that here. Um, after waiting three days with the disease, you become a werewolf. Uh, the easiest way to become a werewolf is by progressing through the main quest and not obtaining a cure after being informed that you have the disease during the quest The Siege of Skull Village. Um, you can likewise become a werewolf by trying to find one of the elusive wandering werewolves and put, or putting on Hircene's ring, which uh, will give you the same abilities. So, yeah, that that's really um, Blood Moon in a nutshell. Let's get into some Easter eggs. Uh, that I think are kind of fun. So, very early on in the game, after leaving Sedanine and um, making your way up to Balmora, you could choose to use or you know travel to Balmora via Silstrider, but I always just huff it on foot. But um, you have a chance of encountering a guy who falls from the sky. You hear him cry out, and you end up... You can, like, watch him fall to the ground. Um, this guy's name is Icarus, and he created scrolls that basically shot him up in the air, and he, you know, what comes up, or what goes up must come down. 
and yeah, he falls to his death, unfortunately. But um, yeah, you can loot these scrolls and use them yourself, which is kind of interesting. Um, I never have, and I know there is a way to survive the fall, probably by using a snowfall spell. But <laughs> seeing him, like hearing him and seeing him fall to his death is always interesting. Um, let's see what else we got here. So you also have an, a chance of encountering Indiana Jones's body. So his body can be found in the Omalang ancestral tomb. Apparently a rock fell on his leg, dooming him to a slow death. And there's a scroll that records his last thoughts, and it's just simply signed Indy, which of course is Indiana Jones's nickname. Um, in the last, in the movie The Last Crusade, Indiana's Indiana Jones's father exclaims at the mention of Indiana's name, "We name the dog Indiana." So this would be the childhood pet that the scroll mentions. Um, yeah, the the. Uh, the scroll also mentions that his father made jokes about his childhood pet. Um, you can also find some creatures that are named after Pokemon in this game. So you can find a creature that is named Peak Uchu. Um, there's a skeleton that is named that, which of course is a reference to Pikachu. There is a section of Kogoron, which is named Charma's Breath, which is similar to, of course, Charmander. In Arkguthad, um, these names are really difficult to pronounce, um, there is a Weeping Bell Hall, Weeping Bell, of course, in the Urshilaku Burial Caverns. There's a section called Kakuna Burial, and yeah, that <laughs> that's really it. Um, there's also a uh, scamp that goes by the name of Creeper in Caldera. He is in this house that is filled with orcs. Um, funny enough, you can kill the orcs without getting a bounty, uh, but I'd recommend doing that one by one. Um, you don't have to. They're friendly, but yeah, you can go around just wrecking havoc on the house of orcs and not get charged for it. But there is a scamp that talks and acts as a merchant and he goes by the name of creeper and um i've mentioned this in previous episodes that rumor would have it that this is really barbus in disguise um also funny enough there is a talking mud crab merchant that could be found um, the mud crab merchant is difficult to find since it doesn't live anywhere near a civilization, but it's just labeled like a regular mud crab. But it does have a healthy supply of gold equal to 10,000. I usually go to Creeper, though. I've never really, actually, to be honest, I've never found the talking mud crab merchant, but I go to Creeper all the time because he's got a healthy amount of gold to barter with also. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he's got 5,000 gold. Obviously, the mud crab merchant has twice as much, but hey, you know, I know where Creeper is. There's a reference to Final Fantasy in the game in the Urshulaku burial caverns that I mentioned earlier. There is a room called Kefka Burial, which is a reference to Kefka Palazzo, um, which is the antagonist in Final Fantasy VI. And 
Uh, yeah, that I believe that's really everything that I. Uh, I'm sure there's more, but um, these are the ones that stick out to me. So, yeah, I mentioned uh, fast travel. There's a couple of things that I really wish would be updated if this game ever got a remaster. Um, very little, but one thing that I wish they would update if they ever do decide to remaster this game is the journal. Journal is a little difficult to deal with. Like, it's not a quest log like the subsequent games. It's literally a book. It's literally a journal that the quests show up in the order that you get them. So if you decide not to do that quest at that time, you're going to have to flip through this this journal. Or um, there is a way to go through it based on certain keywords. Like, you can search search keywords and you can find where you those words are in the journal but yeah um that is one thing that i like if i ever do play on pc i usually get a mod that makes the journal uh, that organizes the journal a lot better than it is in the vanilla game um yeah and also traveling Morrowind, as I as I mentioned, there's not a lot of fast travel, so you have to rely on the the street signs. Like you have to find the signs just to, and it'll say, "Hey, this city is in this direction." So in the Mages Guild and the Fighters Guild, quite like there's a Mages Guild quest where they want you to get an item from an ancestral tomb. It was so hard to find that tomb. It took me a long time. It's like, you know, it's near this city, so just go this direction. And, you know, it's it's near this city, near the city of Pelagad. Pelagad. And you'll find it. It's there. <sighs> yeah, it was not easy to find. Um, not to mention the Fighter's Guild quests were... Well, and, like the Mage's Guild quests, they send you on a bunch of fetch quests at the beginning. Yeah, find all these flowers and then find all these mushrooms. Yeah, find the mushrooms, then find the flowers. They're two different quests. So nowadays, I know what I'm looking for, so I get those on the way from Sedanin to Balmora. Um, but if you don't know, you won't, like if, you, if you've never played the game before, you wouldn't know that, hey, I'm going to need these later. I should probably pick these now. Um, yeah, I mean, but yeah, fast travel, like having map markers, because that, that's what I was kind of getting at with the exploration. There are no quest markers on your map. You just have to know where you're going. So I, like, I don't mind walking around as much. I love exploring Morrowind, but having a map marker would be very helpful if and when this game ever gets remastered. Um, also, running costs you stamina. Um, it doesn't in the subsequent games, like running... Like, if in Skyrim, you can run or you can sprint. Sprinting is what drains your stamina in Skyrim. But just basic running costs you stamina. You can walk very slowly... But running will cost you stamina. And you know what? I get it. It's it's fine. That's not a huge gripe. 
but it's just something that like if you're traveling long distance it might take you a long a while um, between walking and running but other than that I don't really have any complaints with this game I love it so much I, I hope that you picked up on that as I've talked about this game for about an hour now um, the music still gives me chills the immersion like the, the variety of weapons and armor and spells spell crafting you can do it on the fly as long as you've got soul gems um, I mean in you know it's switching between melee like your weapons and your spells you, you can't cast a spell like you're either using magic or you're using your weapons and armor or your and well and blocking is automatic too as long as your block skill is up so it takes a second to switch between using a weapon and using a spell but again that's not a huge gripe um yeah other than that like the story of morrowind is amazing the mechanics take some getting used to <clears throat> as i mentioned they're more traditional rpg-ish where doing something is a roll of the dice but your skill level greatly increases your chances your chances of something succeeding um I hope to get to the DLC eventually. It's gonna, it might take a while, um, you know, because I, I do have a, a saved game on my Xbox One. I haven't really. I played a few hours, not a ton. Um, I don't even remember what character I created, but I just I love this game so much, and I know it might seem dated to some people today but if you give it a chance you might fall in love with this game just like i did and so many other elder scrolls fans over the years have so it is there's a reason why morrowind is regarded by you know quote-unquote hardcore elder scrolls fans as the best game in the series so if you are a fan like I am of this series, give it a shot. Um, it's on PC and Xbox. Um, just just give it a shot. Hang in there. Level up your skills. So the success rate is better. And have fun. It's an amazing game. So, yeah. that's That's about all I've got to say when it comes to Morrowind. So, what's next? I think I'm going to talk about the Great Houses. I touched on them a little bit, um, and I love how Oblivion has a uh, kind of a, an Easter egg, uh, like a reference to the Great Houses in Morrowind. There's a, a merchant in the city of Skingrad in Oblivion that goes by the name of Flanu Hlalu. And yeah, you, you go up and talk to her and she's like, Flanu, how's Hlalu? Like, that matters here. Um, yeah, that's a reference to House Hlalu in Morrowind. And uh, turns out she also might be a necrophiliac, but because <laughs> um, she asks you how much um the fine for necrophilia is in uh, uh cyrodiil 
<laughs> then you can kind of uh, ask her a little, you know, some questions about it. Like, um, is this a first offense or is this a, are you a repeat offender here? Um, but yeah, I'm going to talk about the great houses next. I'm going to go through each one. Um, I don't know if I'm going to, I may or may not get into the sixth house, but I'm at least going to go through the major ones. So yeah, that is what next, what's next. Um, I, I, like I said, I, I hope you have enjoyed this deep dive into Morrowind. It's such a great game. Again, I know I keep saying that, but I didn't believe that when the first time I played. And now I'm just grateful that I have played and have really given Morrowind a proper shot. And like I said, if I if I, I believe that if you do, and if you hang in there, you'll love it too. So that yeah that's that's it for this episode so i'd like to thank the hive as always for sponsoring this podcast and if you want to get a hold of me you can find my personal accounts at iangold08 with twitter and instagram and you can find the show at tamrielk p and you can also find me at my other shows i got nintendo and tapes from the waste as i mentioned i'm going to be working on a tapes from the waste episode tomorrow as i'm recording this on uh, april 2nd so yeah um give me a, a rating and review on um apple Podcasts and spotify and uh, if you leave a review with some text i will read it out on the show i haven't gotten any in a while i've gotten some ratings on spotify i do appreciate those uh, but I haven't gotten anything on Apple Podcasts recently. So if you could do me a favor and do that, I would appreciate it. So, yeah, that is it for this episode. So, as always, stay safe, adventurers. <laughs> <laughs>